got a second chance to get that right. So that's a win. <laughs> so it's a good thing that I didn't plan a long sermon, so this works out well. So uh, today we will be looking at First Peter 4, chap- or chapter 4, verses 12 to 19, and I'll be reading from the ESV version. So you can feel free to turn there. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I love the way this verse is crafted. Do not be surprised as if something strange was happening to you. So there's something that I didn't share in my testimony, something that some of you will look at me and go, I understand where that comes from. I get that. And yet some of you will look at me and think, how could somebody in our own church feel that way? How could they be so misled? So since a child, I have cheered for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, something that I have learned through my years as a Toronto fan is that Toronto has become the basis of many jokes, many of which I could not share in this building. I am no longer surprised when I wear my jersey or my hat that people would make jokes or comments at my expense or at my team's expense. I am not surprised when I walk into Walmart and somebody points and laughs. I'm not secure enough to not feel uncomfortable by that, but I am not surprised. Uh, In the same way, uh, this passage here is telling the church not to be surprised when trials and suffering come. I can look into my past experiences to see that I shouldn't be surprised when somebody makes a Leafs joke. We can look into scripture to see examples why we should not be surprised. Uh, In Matthew 5, 10 to 12, I'll read it. You don't have to turn. You can if you want. Uh, It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. And then again in Matthew 10, 16 to 18. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. So, we should not be surprised when as a church and as uh, Christians we suffer and we face persecution in the church. Now often, as a Leafs fan, if I was to walk into Walmart with this shirt on, nobody's going to comment. Nobody's going to be like, huh, Leafs fan. They're not going to do that because I just, I don't think Leafs fans have a uniform look. We all kind of look different. Some people might again argue with that. But nobody's going to comment on that. But when I put on my jersey, then people can identify me as a Leafs fan. Then they have a, a target. So it makes me wonder, if I'm not facing persecution, if I'm not facing suffering, can people see that I am a Christian? Can people identify that in myself? Now, this isn't like uh, walking through Walmart with a 
WWJD shirt on or a big bling cross or something, but our faith should transform us from the very core of us, right? As Christians, we believe there is a difference between us and those in the world. So if I believe in Jesus Christ and I am transformed by that, people should be able to see that. So if I'm not facing persecution, am I transformed in my faith? And that's just a question that we have to think about. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of, God, of glory and of God rests upon you. We see in this verse and in the previous verses that uh, we don't suffer because of our own righteousness, because of our own good deeds. We suffer because Jesus Christ suffered first. Um, we suffer with Jesus so that we can also join and rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, when I think of suffering, I don't think of rejoicing. I don't think of persecution and joy. I don't think, hmm, tonight I think I'll go out and uh, be insulted, and tomorrow I think I'll go seek out persecution. It's not something that I do as a fun evening activity. It sounds a bit like a little bit of an oxymoron, but we are called to rejoice. Why would we rejoice in our suffering? I think, like so much of what Scripture does, it changes our perspective. It turns our eyes towards God. So we stop thinking, this really sucks. And we start to think, I am being persecuted because Jesus Christ was first persecuted. He suffered, so I joined in that suffering so that in the end, I can rejoice with him. And every time that we suffer, it's an opportunity to share that gospel. When we stop seeing suffering as a negative and we begin to see suffering as an opportunity to share the gospel with non-believers, that's a reason to rejoice. When we no longer have to worry about our story, our righteousness, but we get to reflect the righteousness of God, then suffering becomes worth, worthwhile. But also, we rejoice because we know that this world is temporary, and we can be so thankful for that. So even though we suffer now, we won't suffer forever. Um, we know that in the end, Jesus' glory will be revealed, and if we suffer with him now, we get to also rejoice with him then. Now, as a Toronto fan, the Maple Leafs have not won the Stanley Cup since 1967, which means I have spent my entire life not knowing victory. And yet, I wear that jersey and I wear my hat in hopes that maybe, just maybe, someday they might win the Stanley Cup, and then I can say, I didn't just jump on the bandwagon. I've always been a Leafs fan, and I can walk around with my head held high. And on that slight chance, some of you will say that impossibility, <laughs> I put that jersey on. Now, as Christians, we know with certainty that Jesus Christ has already won. It's not that eventually he might win and eventually we might rejoice, but we know for certain that he has already won and for certain that we will rejoice in the end with him. So that should bring us joy. 
But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. When we suffer for Jesus Christ, there's reason to rejoice. But when we suffer because of our own sinfulness, we only suffer the consequences of our actions. So if I go on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever and I write a hateful message and people come up in the comment section and insult me and they call me names or if I'm driving home on the highway and I decide it's taking too long so I decide to just speed a little bit and I come over the crest of a hill and there's a police officer there and he pulls me over I can't then turn and say oh you're doing this because I'm a Christian you're persecuting me and persecuting the church. When we break the laws, that is not suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. When we are hateful and when we don't love others, that is not suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. That is suffering the consequences of our own actions. And there's a difference. And not only do, that doesn't just reflect poorly on us as Christians. That also reflects poorly on those around us. If I go online and I write hateful stuff and people look at me and say, David is a hateful individual, and he calls himself a Christian. Well, does that mean every other Christian is just as hateful? And we start to not only bring shame on ourselves, but shame on the church around us. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. There's a difference between suffering for Jesus Christ and suffering because of our sinfulness. When we suffer because of our sinfulness, we should feel ashamed. When we suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, there is no shame. We recognize that that is the exact purpose we were created for. We align with God and God rests upon us. There is no shame to suffer. We think of suffering or being brought low as something to be ashamed of. But when you are doing that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are aligning with the very purpose you were created. Verse 17 and 18 gives us a bit of a a warning. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? When we suffer, we need to look at our hearts and begin to understand why we're suffering. When we suffer, and it's because of our own actions, we need to correct that. That is something that we cannot bring shame upon ourselves and the rest of the church for. But when we suffer for Jesus Christ, that is something to rejoice about. And it, the verse here says that the, the righteous are scarcely saved. And we know that's not by their actions. We know that's by Jesus' actions. But we need to look at ourselves and think that if the righteous are just barely saved, or just scarcely saved, we need to be looking at our hearts and really analyzing if the things that we are bringing, suffering or persecution upon ourselves in the church, if they're what God wants us to to do, if we're aligning with God's will instead of our own will. And that can be a challenge, especially when we get persecuted for something that we think is right, but it's just because we want to be right. And that's a real challenge. 
but the conclusion, I think, of this passage brings a lot of hope. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. There's two points here that I want to draw on. First of all, we entrust our souls to a faithful creator. We trust God that if we suffer with Jesus Christ, we suffer in Jesus' name, that he will be faithful in the end and he'll keep up his end of the deal. That gives us joy because we're not suffering and then in the end just continuing to suffer. But we know we suffer for a temporary time to rejoice with Jesus. And also, we suffer with a faithful creator. God has created us for this very purpose, to share his gospel around the world, and that might bring suffering on us, but it is the very reason we were created. We weren't created to live cushy lives. We weren't created to build nice homes and drive nice cars. We weren't created for any of that. We were created to share something that the world hates, that the world is afraid of, because it undermines their power. We share the gospel. And that brings us joy because we know that we are living into the very purpose of our creation. And when we do that, we recognize that a faithful creator, while doing good, we're aligning with his will, and God is good. All the time, God is good. And when we align with that, we know he will take care of us. Thank you.